Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Tuesday, March 15th, as the Flyers uh, with a day off yesterday, back at practice today in preparation for Thursday night's game against the Nashville Predators, which is also obviously, we all know this by now, it is Claude Giroux's 1,000th NHL game. So uh, big night for Claude Giroux. Uh, will it be his last game as a Flyer? We just don't know yet. Um, you know, one thing that he said at the end of his post-game availability after the loss against the Montreal Canadiens, he was ans- asked a question at the end, and I want to play his answer for you, and then we're going to reflect on it. And we're also going to get to Do- John Torchetti, Flyers assistant coach in this episode. But here's Claude Giroux and something that really caught my ear and a lot of people's ear after the loss against the Montreal Canadiens. Well, you have a tough decision to make a week from now. Has this season made that decision any easier, or has it affected the decision you have to make in a week? Uh, I mean, I didn't think I'd be put in a position uh, to make a decision. Or, um, I mean, it's been it's been probably the worst year since I'm here. Uh, it's been a tough year. I mean, obviously a lot of injuries, but I'm not going to start making excuses. But... It's been a long year. It, the way we, uh, you know, we, I'm not too sure what to say, to be honest, because uh, it's not in a position that I'd want to be in. Or uh, Obviously, there's, there's still some, some meetings and some things to talk about with the, uh, the management and uh, see what the game plan is, not just for this year, but for the future. All right, so there he is, Flyers captain Claude Drew after that very disappointing loss, deflating loss against the Montreal Canadiens. And Sam Carcidi asked him the question, and Drew's answer there. I wanted to play the whole question and answer for you so you get full perspective on what he was saying. And obviously the part that really jumps out is at the end, the last couple of sentences where he says, obviously there's still some meeting and some things to talk about with the management to see what the game plan is, not just for this year, but for the future. And I thought that that was a really interesting choice of words. You know, earlier in it, Claude says, I really don't know what to say. But, you know, you can see this is he's clearly very conflicted. He's a very loyal guy. He's poured a lot into the Flyers. And it's hard to just let it go. And I, I know it's easy for us on the outside to just say, dude, why wouldn't you be like running to get out of here? But you got to realize the impact. It's like if we had a job, a job we loved, and we've been doing it since we were 19 years old with the same company, and we've grown up with that company, and they've taken care of you, not only financially, but in all, always. And the Flyers do a great job you know, doing a lot for the players and their families and the community. So I think sometimes we look at it as this mercenary-type angle where we think all players are just mercenaries. They're just hired guns. And in some ways, yeah, that is true. Because players come and go, the organizations, the franchises stay. But he's invested so much into this and has so much history here and entanglement. And he's grown up here. He's now married, has two kids. And it's not about moving his family. He goes back to Ottawa in the summer. I think it's the idea of not being a part of this organization anymore. Now, I've not talked to him about this. So this is just kind of me and my conjecture based on what he said. But when he said, at the very end, I have to talk to management to see what the game plan is, not just for this year, but for the future. Now, I take that could mean two things. A, 
yeah, you can you can trade me at the trade deadline if I approve a team and you get a good deal, whether that's Colorado, Florida, Carolina, whoever, St. Louis, any team uh, that he decides he will go to. But those conversations with management, not just for this year, but for the future, does that then set him up to return here as a free agent, which is his right to do? He will be an unrestricted free agent available to the Flyers and all 31 other NHL teams. I think a version of this process happened last summer because Sean Couturier was coming up into his final year of his deal. And on July 1st, he could sign an extension officially or go into the last year of his deal and then go to unrestricted free agency. They ended up extending him, but it was after a lot of moves were made. After Ryan Ellis was acquired, after Ryan Ellis was acquired, after some other moves to reshape this team changed, that's when Couturier signed. I don't know this for sure, but I suspect that he almost wanted to see, hey, what's the plan? Before I commit, I need to know what the plan is so that I want to be in a position to win. So he was obviously sold on that plan. It obviously has not worked this year, but Giroux is in a similar situation now, albeit up against it at the trade deadline. So we'll see where this goes. I don't think the door shut that he's staying. I still think that's highly unlikely. But maybe my read on a player returning after he's been traded at the deadline when he's got significant history there, like Giroud does here, and then returning to that team, it happens so rarely. But maybe he is the rare case where he does come back to the Flyers if he hears what he needs to hear on what the plan is and what the future is and all of those things. We'll see how it plays out. And coming up in some subsequent episodes coming up tomorrow and on Thursday, we're going to have a lot of uh, interviews for you with players, coaches, dignitaries uh, regarding Claude Giroux and his 1,000th game. So look forward to that coming up tomorrow. But in this episode, before the Montreal game, I had a chance to sit down with Flyers assistant coach John Torchetti. Now, he is a hockey lifer, played the game, um, had some pretty big numbers, which you'll hear about in our conversation, has been coaching the game at various levels. He's been an interim coach, I think, three times. He's been a head coach at various different levels, including the NHL and the Quebec Major Junior League all over. So he's got a lot of hockey wisdom to share. I was really pleased to be able to sit down with him and talk hockey and talk the effects of hockey, how it's changed, how it's good, what it's given him, and much more. Here's my sit-down conversation with John Torchetti. Joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily is Flyers assistant coach Don John Torchetti. I screwed up your first name, not your last name. I was going to tell you, that's what people do because they worry about pronouncing the last name. Yeah, I resemble that as well with a last name like Martitas. But um, I, I'm so excited to talk to you because there's a lot of angles I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk about your playing career. You had 134 points in a season. You know what's significant about that season? No, I pretty much expect that all the time when I played. I mean, I, I loved offense, so uh, we uh, we had a really good team, and I was blessed with my career. I think in uh, seven years in the minors, I was in the final six years, so we were uh, pretty fortunate as uh, players to be blessed with. Uh, Rick Dudley was our coach at the time, and uh, he just expected us to be really good every night and be consistent. Well, you also had 134 penalty minutes. Your penalty minutes, your PIMS matched your points. That's rare. Well, I think that uh, you have to have a little bit of bite to your game uh, to get the respect of the opponent. Uh, I wasn't a fighter by all means. Uh, I mean, I wasn't chief, I can tell you that. Yeah. But uh, I think that um, y- y- you got to have some grit to your game and you got to get to the, the 
you know the parts of the ice that has to get the job done especially you want a puck possession and uh, that's the fun part do you feel like that part of the game's going away a little bit but maybe making a return um, I, I, I think the guys are bigger and stronger and faster. So, I yeah. mean, uh, you, you see, you know, the teams that, uh, the successful teams that are night in, night out have the big, you know, four or five, six, three guys, in the defensive zone, closing you off quicker. Uh, so it's, it really benefits the size and strength now, uh, you know, closing off the cycles and, uh, Recovering pucks and getting out of the Z zone quicker. You know, you see St. Louis's, uh, Tampa Bay's, uh, their Calgary, yeah. like, carrying four or five guys over six three, six four. Well, the thing with like a team like Calgary and what Daryl's done there is they can defend incredibly well too. It really all starts there, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's where you know you close a guy off. Uh, you know, you're just going right after him and uh, you're stopping the cycle. Yeah. So you don't you don't. You know, you have to be in your zone for 40 seconds, chasing them, trying to pin them down. They got the big size, and that's what helps. And I think everyone sees in the formula, you know, from when um, goes back to St. Louis. St. Louis did it, and Tampa Bay's done it. And uh, you're seeing, like, uh, Florida wants to get that size. So, uh, you know, we'll see at the trade deadline what teams really pick up what players. Yeah, so many variables right now. And, of course, the Flyers involved in a lot of that. Let me ask you, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? I'm always intrigued by guys who played at a high level and then end up coaching. Uh, probably when I was sitting on the bus with my first coach, uh, we used to say, he used to drive, drive the bus. <laughs> so uh, it was just set up and talk shop. and uh, I just Always talking it. hockey? Just, yeah, yeah, just always loved it. Uh, I love to teach. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, our jobs as coaches is to make sure that your team is given every bit of detail or teaching or knowledge of uh, how to be better in I think our job as coaches is to get them there quicker better faster without the heartache yeah and uh, you know like I you know with the biggest thing that we we kind of strive and talk about is uh, if cheating worked we'd be teaching it yeah so we try to get that across to the players that uh, and, and it usually comes down to consistency and the hard work and you know how hard you compete how much of part of the the psychological part coupled with the actual playing of the game is closing the gap from a player's worst game to their best game. Yeah, that's that's the uh, how fast do they recover from it. You know, yeah. you carry it over. Like, you know, certain players we work with, uh, you want them to be able to just wash away that last shift. Stop thinking about it. Don't look at the video pad. Don't look at the iPad, you know, and just get over it quicker, better, faster like we talk about. But, uh, you know, some kids uh, have different learning curves at certain stages of their career. And uh, I think, you know, f- you know, for us, like being here, we, we're just trying to build that consistency with our club. How's your, you know, evolution as part of being a coach? You evolve different places. You learn different things. You pick up different tricks. You tell me you get rid of some. You kind of hone in a little more. How's your philosophy changed over the years? Um, I think... Your face is telling me not much. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. You know you know what? The thing that people don't realize is you learn from the players. Yeah. I mean, players make plays all the time. And I'll give you a quick story. We're, we're in Chicago, and uh, my buddy Paul McClain was with the Red Wings, and um, he ran the power play there. I ran the power play in Chicago. And I was like, geez, you guys are unbelievable. And I, I that's two soup. plays, and I said, what happened here? And he goes, that's them, Torch. Yeah. They're really looking into it too much. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, you know, so, you know, and then you stop watching. 
you want to teach young upcoming players you show them the best mm -hmm. like uh, our team didn't become a team until we picked up Hoser and then we started to understand what it was to back check and strip and from behind and yeah. and and what it meant to play without the puck and uh, that really changed us and then you know breaking out it was uh Brian Campbell he just sped our team right up out of the zone yeah. and you know and that's big assets and uh, you learn from there and all of a sudden your team looks faster because you're playing fast exactly well yeah i mean if everyone's <clears throat> predictable you're going to play fast and if we all know where the puck's going you're going to play faster yeah and you're playing on instinct as well you know that's interesting because a guy like hosa comes in and teaches those younger guys how to contest every inch of the ice yeah and it's it's everything but and again you know you just show the film of you know like we we did in in chicago at the time i mean we, we had him on i mean that martin st louis coach tonight he was on our fourth line he was the lowest paid player in the nhl mm. so there you go you how'd know, that but, work out uh, yeah right but, to the hall but of fame. he worked yeah. worked 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 but he worked on it every day and that was the bottom line he'd go to the third line they get back now knock down the fourth line got to do the little things again to get to third now you got to get up to that second but you got to be consistent again and those are the things. That's why he's successful. You know, he's going to be a successful coach. You surprised? You surprised the teams responded to him the way they have? No, not at all. Just he's because just, that's the kind of guy he's he is. Just, he's just the train that could. Yeah, and that defines his career, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you when you look at all the different stops you've been, and you talk about that Chicago team, I mean, with Kane and Taves and all the talent. You mentioned Hosa and obviously Duncan Keith and Seabrook on the back end, and we got a good look at it in 2010 right here, and I'm sure you were on yeah. that ice celebrating. Yeah, this is why, you know, coming to work's uh, <laughs> I know we're not putting nice points up, but uh, it's certainly a building that I have a lot of fond memories, and my whole family's been in, though my, all my family's been in this building, so it's, uh, you know, it's something uh, when you walk into it. What's it like to win that trophy? Uh, it's the best feeling you ever have in your life, but it's, uh, was it what you expected? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I and think, uh, I've been in 11 finals in my career, not Jeez. all NHL finals, but, uh, playing and coaching in different levels, but, uh, it's, uh, there's nothing like winning and, um, you know, you don't want to, you want more, you yeah. crave it and, uh, you just can't wait to get it again. And, uh, you know, that's something like, like coming into a situation like situation like this, it's something that, uh, you want to get this team, uh, and, and be a big part of helping out Yosi and the staff, uh, on getting it back to a fast track and, uh, moving it forward and getting to the level that we should be at. Yeah, I was doing the radio then. And when you guys won that cup here with Chicago, when I got done my broadcast, I went out and sat on the bench for about an hour and just watched everybody celebrate on the ice with the oh. cup because it's, it's unbelievable. I don't think we left till 2.30. No. Because everyone kept saying, are you guys going to leave? And we're like, well, we don't need to be anywhere. We just need to be together. Flying home tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> so it don't matter. Yeah, you look like you guys were having a real good time. And it, it was just a cool experience to watch that as somebody who grew up playing the game yeah. and, and idolizing that trophy. Um, you come here to Philadelphia, and when you came, did you almost want to not get downloaded on a ton of information so you could look at things and make up your own mind on, on certain situations? Well, you bring up a good point. Uh, I think. For myself, I never look at where the player's from, what year he is, how old he is, or what he did. Uh, I just want to assess myself and then go from there. In the present moment where yeah. they are. Well, it's just easier for me, and then I can see him. You know, I, when you're always coming in during the season, I mean, um, this was my first time as an assistant coach coming in um, 
with a team 13 in a row, but it was my sixth time overall uh, prior to being a head coach. Five teams that I took over lost 13 in a row. Yeah. So you know the confidence factor is not there. So you got to come in and, you know, help out and support. And, you know, what Yozi wants in certain areas of the game, you know, he wants you to really build off of. And, uh, you know, it gives you an area to look at and try to help build it and get it successful. And um, it's, it's just uh, something with players that uh, – you got to build a trust with them, and that they trust you to help them get better, and and also that uh, and they want help, don't they? Oh, sure they do. <clears throat> yeah, That's, you know what? Yep. Really was worried about when I came in, like where the mind frame was, and they were like, "This is a great group guy," and I was like, "Really? It really is." Yeah. You know, because usually you come in, you got four or five guys, a couple of vets, they're like, "Uh, oh, you know, really, what's going on here? Why am I listening?" You know, not at all. And uh, I mean, I mean, I. You know, our fans, they've been fantastic. And, and, and one thing I can say, you know, speaking on behalf of the team is uh, I think we've been out there every night. We've been every game. Yeah. I mean, it's it, we just, you know, we've got the lead or tie with five minutes left, and those are things you got to get over the hump. And that's where you got to, you know, build that consistency the last five minutes and understand where the puck needs to be placement-wise. You can learn from those games where you're in it, you know, you're – you're tied late in the game or you're going to a third period with a lead and but you got to learn from them what you do with with those mistakes is all that matters going forward yeah and and and, and a lot of you know for us moving forward too is is how hard we work without the puck means we're in a position to make a good play when we get the puck so yeah. those are situations that we're at like last night I mean we didn't see that coming three minutes you know it's just to play up the wall but again that's what's going on but we come back to work tonight and we play the Canadians and we gotta go again yeah and, and when that jersey's on the ice it's always special uh, facing the Canadians L- let me ask you about you know coaching in this league you've been an, an interim coach on a few occasions yeah. what kind of challenges does that pose um it's good and bad. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's you it's know you always you don't want to live. No, no, I don't even worry about that stuff. But you don't want to live on. Uh, I I think when you come in, it's just making the players better than and and structuring the system that they're playing a certain way and management will see it. Yeah. That's the number one thing. And 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 I, I really don't change even mm-hmm. as an assistant. I mean, my job is you always come in and say, "What do you think?" Give them my idea, or if we want to change something, he's great. You know, I've worked with Yosi, you know, two different times. So yeah. it's something that, uh, you know, it's cohesive with the coaching staff, and we bring our ideas and suggestions, and then whatever Yosi wants to go with, and then we go out and teach it, and we try to build it consistent. So, but I, I don't think that, um, you know, you'd like to, you know, we've had a couple teams where, you know, we've really, uh, I'm 500. I've taken, you know, taken over five teams that were basically, uh, Six oh and sixty five, mm-hmm. and finish five hundred. How'd you pull that math off so quick? Man, that was I, impressive. I, I was just almost struggling. <laughs> I saw the gears going a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, you know, part of coming in in that situation too is holding up a mirror to to players and accountability. And you know, you want to show players and you want to help them, but you have to kind of own where you are right now and how to improve, right? Well, I think the number one thing you do um, when you commit to teams is you try to go through the team within two days because you got to see where they're at where their mindset is where where they want to be as a player where they felt they all will tell you something happened to them that they're not getting a fair shake and that's fine and then you build the competitor then you build it with them but also you also want to know how they are off the ice you know how's their family doing is there anything problem is anything driving your game away you know just little little stuff like that but uh i think overall uh you 
the players want to play, but they, they want to feel free out there. And, you know, you can work hard, and if you do make a mistake, just make sure you're working hard to recover it. Yeah. Don't don't sit on it and don't be lazy. You know, no shortcuts, and that's all. And, yeah. I, and I think, you know, the – you know certain coaches that I worked for in the past, and and to, to me it's it's not as much as uh, it's discipline, accountability, and consequences. There's nothing else. Yeah. That's the game. That's life. That's in any business model that you ever have in your career, wherever you work. You know you get what you put in. Yeah. There's there's no there's no cheat in life. Yeah. I had a coach when I was growing up told me, and I use it coaching kids now. Um, there's no such thing as free lunch. No, you, you yeah. got to work for everything you get in this game, and end of story. You know, it's, and, and that's what we do. You know, we're doing five, six hours of film a day, and uh, you know, and sometimes you're like, oh, we don't want to do a ten minute meet, video meeting, and it's like, you know what? Let's spend the extra minute on this, so we don't have to watch it three more hours <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah, so we don't have to pull the clips. Last thing for you, you've been in this game a long time. You played it a long time. What's the game kind of meant to you and given to you? Oh, just, I love asking this question uh, to yeah, hockey I, lifers. Well, I, I just basically, I, I've never gone to work a day in my life. Yeah. And that's just, the rink's not a work zone. Just look, oh, never, never, never in my life, but uh, just love the sport. It, it, it's, it's the best sport. Like I said, this is the best league in the world, and you get to watch it live, and they pay me for it. Yeah. So that's not, the bottom line. Not bad. John, thanks for doing this. All us. right. Thanks a lot. Thanks to John Torchetti for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. I love sitting down with, you know, the guys that have been in the game for so long and have made it their life because I think the perspective that they can give all of us about the game is is really important because as a coach even or if you played the game and then you coach or if you're just a fan and you've watched it over years, you see the evolution. You also evolve in your knowledge of the game and the way you see the game and you see the game differently, and as the game evolves, you're evolving with it and to different degrees. And I think that it's just really interesting to hear guys that have gone through all of these years at high levels to really understand um, what they see, what makes them tick, how they get to pl- get through to players, and much more. So thanks to John Trochetti for taking the time on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand new episode. We'll give you some interviews on our way to Claude Giroux's 1,000th game. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. 